Welcome to the Kenmore Church Podcast. We are all about filling hearts and fueling mission. We hope this content builds your heart and mind and equips you to reveal Jesus in this season of your life. Fantastic. Okay, you've, um, you might want to open up your Bible um, app or however you do that. I'll, I'll be going through the scriptures. We're continuing a series called A Culture of Honour a term that gets bandied around fairly, it can be fairly loosely bandied around these days, but um, what we're doing, um, if you follow the general meta-narrative, if I can say it, of what I'm talking over the over preceding months and months to come, is what is radically different about our life from this life and this culture that we're absorbed in. And um, I'm incredibly excited about this series, but I'm more excited about the next one, which starts in a few weeks' time, uh, all things new, because I want to just literally camp out for a moment and have a fresh look, as if it's the first look, of what is it that the death of Jesus on that cross made new for us, really? Because what we read in the book and what we see in our lives, there's such a gap there, not just in ours personally, but in the church, globally, and all this sort of thing. How do we how do we digest and how do we appropriate that which is available, which, which isn't automatic? There's a lot that goes on in there that we don't see day to day, and yet I, I believe it's available. And so we're going to pursue a lot of very key topics there. But this idea of a culture of honour is a really great foundation for that. So just to recap last week, we used Matthew 10, verse 40 to 42 as a bit of an anchor. Jesus is saying to the disciples, uh, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. So when we see a term like welcome, uh, we can insert there uh, respect, value, honour. He who welcomes you welcomes me. Anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Whoever uh, welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. So he's saying for every relationship, so when, when y'all ceases to be y'all and they're all y'all, when you're in this, forgive me, if you're a visitor today, we're talking Texan right there. This is an idea of community where we, we are not individuals in a room thinking about ourselves and calling that community. We're saying, no, we are connected. We are interdependent on one another. And as we do that, your blessing is actually my blessing. I don't need to be jealous or compete because we're all y'all. So when we do that, that the value of each other's relationship, it opens us up to a sense where there's something about you that opens up a channel of God's blessing into my life as well. Even children, uh, there's a blessing. If I honour them appropriately, there's a blessing that comes from that. If I welcome a teacher or a prophet or uh, anything like that, my boss at work, if I welcome them in accordance with who God's made them to be, there's a blessing that comes from that. So for Australians, this rubs. So let's go deeper again as we continue to recap. Honour, we define in a couple of ways. To honour someone is to highlight and emphasise in them that which is worthy um, to be praised. It also means to value appropriately. So it means it's not obeying, because honouring and obeying are different things. You can honour someone without necessarily obeying them, because they may be telling you or forcing you to do something outside of God's will for your life, to sin, to break the law and so on. You don't have to do that, but you can, you can disobey in an honouring way. So the whole culture of honour, when we start to have that realised in our life, brings about a few elements. Firstly, that when we honour 
uh, a person or when we honour God in a certain realm, we make room for God's blessing to flow in through that relationship. So there's something happens, something activates in the spiritual realm because we're honouring someone as we're honouring God. When we do that appropriately, it releases a channel of blessing. We're not earning it. We haven't entered into a transaction here where if I do this, God's forced to do that. No, we're making room and we're saying, Lord, we give you this space, we give you this relationship, I'm going to deal with this person as I would be dealing with you, and in that space, it invites the blessing. Secondly, we honour God in a specific area, we open that area up to his blessing. So Proverbs 3.9 says, Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over. So as we honour, in that area particularly that we honour, uh, blessing is made available, where we hold back, where we say, God, I'm not honouring you with this part of my life, with my sexuality or my addictions or my ambitions or all this sort of stuff. If I hold that back from God, then his blessing isn't free to flow in that area because we've held it, withheld it from him. So there's a very clear dynamic there. And, um, and so what I want to do is just bury a little bit deeper into how we do that with each other. Now, the first thing to understand here is that honour, a culture of honour, is a whole person deal. You can't just speak honour. You can't say to your wife, I love you, and then spend the rest of your day grazing on the appearances of every other woman. Because your heart, it's like Jesus said, they honour me with their lips, but their heart's far from me. So you can't just say one thing and say, well, I'm honouring them. But then you abuse them. Then you neglect them. Then you treat someone like they're an object. That's dishonour. So you can't just pretend this thing. This is a whole person. When I'm honouring someone... I'm valuing them with all that I am and I'm valuing all of who they are. That made the room go quiet. <laughs> so how do we show honour? I figure this is a tactic of preachers. If I just smile, you won't take offence. <laughs> I was told that. It doesn't actually quite work for me. So, but how do, we, how do we show honour? Because this becomes a real rub and you'll notice these terms in Scripture uh, which essentially can be, in their own faceted way, can represent honour. The first one is welcome, as we've just seen in Jesus' own dialogue there, by welcoming someone. By, and to welcome someone means I value them. When they, when they turn up, we embrace them. We say, you're welcome here. You belong here. You're part of this home. This is why we, we want this to be an honouring house. We want you to know that when you come here, you are welcome here. We take you as you are. There's no perfect people allowed. There's no you know, perfect stories allowed here. We're all busted up and broken. It's just whether we admit it, and it's just a matter of degree here. But you're welcome and you're accepted, and we give you the same hospitality, whether, whether the world rates you as low or high, this is an even playing field. It's a, it's a way of showing honour. It's also showing proper respect, and it's valuing someone based on God's value for them. And God's value was enough that he was prepared to die for this person that we're looking at. We uh, honour people by blessing them. We just blessed young Hamish. That's a, that's a way of honouring the child. It's blessing who God has made them to be. You see right through particularly the Old Testament where the father blesses the sons and daughters. He's, he's affirming what God has, has already ordained. He's releasing destiny and confirming and affirming God's destiny upon their life. It invites that breakthrough. It invites God's destiny to be fulfilled. The most powerful prayer I've ever prayed, I'm sure, and I'll, I don't, I'll never get tired of telling this story. It's about 30 years old now was uh, at an altar call at a church service one day where um, there was a baby born uh, out of wedlock, conceived out of wedlock, and, um, and on, at birth had, had um, a terminal blood disease, was only got, maximum three weeks was going to live. And, and the word of God that came to me incredibly strongly as just a lay person like the rest of us in the congregation was, 
that to pray over this child that God's destiny would be released, not the evil one's destiny. So all I did was just reach out and lay a hand of blessing on the child that God's destiny would be released. And something literally cracked in the atmosphere. This terminally ill child, uh, we just knew. All of us just went, whatever just happened, uh, it's done. There's nothing else to pray. And so they had a set of medical reports uh, saying this is a, a form of leukaemia or something it was. Then they went back to the doctor two days later. It was completely clear, completely healed, uh, without any explanation. That child went on to become the ducks of the school and is now a 30-year-old living a, an incredible life. But this is, this is honour. You and I steward this stuff. We steward this stuff. We are God's representatives here. We are, we are representing him. We're representing his will. And so when we lay a hand, when we talk to someone, the power in our words, the power in our hands is enough is to change lives permanently. There are people who are alive today because this sort of thing has been activated. So we show blessing. We show focus on that which is worthy. What that means is we, we, when we look at someone, we're not looking at their faults. We're seeing what God is doing in them, what God has made in them, and we focus on that. We see it all. We're not brushing it away. We don't brush away sin, for example, but we see there's more to you than this. This stuff that you're doing, you're better than this. And we, I can see that God's doing something in you, and I want to bless that. I want to draw that out. I want to encourage that. And we invite people to life, and they become bigger and bigger because we're giving them something that they can't give themselves. We're drawing that gold out of them. And even here, it's a matter of how do we honour each other. It's, it's, you see it in the way we do things here. and we try. We're not aiming for perfection. We're not aiming to, to say, oh, aren't we awesome? Come to our church because we've got really nice graphics on our bulletin. It's, it, we're doing this because you're awesome and you deserve that. You see the different mindset. We're not trying to impress anyone. But you're impressive and we want to treat you accordingly. And so when we do things, we want to just do them well without getting silly about it and perfectionistic, but to release this culture of honour. Okay, so let me teach into this. Um, am I okay if I go a few minutes over today? It's, 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 is that a, it, Okay, yes. Okay, I'll try and honour your time, but this is actually really important and I want to do a special thing. Okay, in your notes, if you're taking notes, there's a connection between honour and judgement. Honour does this, judgement is the antithesis of that. So we are called to name. Genesis 2, uh, Adam named the animals, so to speak, and that was just a template of what he was to do. He was to draw out, to name the character and say, this is who you are, draw that destiny out. The opposite of that is judgment, because judgment is the antithesis of honour. It tears down. Instead of focusing on what is valuable and true, it focuses on the, on the uh, imperfection and what's been done wrong. And so we're called to give life. Proverbs 18.21 says, the power... The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat of its fruit, one way or t'other. Those, you know, whatever you say, you have the power in what you say to your spouses, to your spouses, to your spouse, to your ch children. That wasn't prophetic, anyone, okay? <laughs> to your children, to your workmates, to each other here, and so on. What you say matters. You'll just, you might say a thousand words here today, but people are going to remember probably one or two. And, you know, it's, it's which ones do you want them to remember? To criticise, uh, now, I'm, now I'm attacking the idol of our culture, to criticise is to dishonour and it is to partner with the accuser of the brethren. That's his name, the devil. His, he, his role, his nature is to be the accuser. So if we're accusing, we're doing his work for him so he can take a break and go do it somewhere else. 
doesn't need the help, uh, any more help with it because we're just doing this thing for him. We're partnering with a demonic uh, agenda there. Can I make that sound any more serious? Uh, to criticise, to tear down, to focus on someone's um, discrepan- uh, their, their misconduct and being unable to see the good in them and to be able to draw that out uh, is partnering with the wrong side. Let's have a look at this in Zechariah chapter 3. You'll see just how dear this is to God's heart. Zechariah 3, 1-9, the setting here is that um, Joshua the high priest and Zerubbabel were given this role of restoring the temple and rebuilding Jerusalem. They'd failed, in essence, they'd failed. It had been about 16 years. The whole thing had stalled. God had given them a job to do and they'd mucked it up. And they didn't know why. They'd been opposition, as there always is, but, but everyone was pointing the finger at Joshua and Zerubbabel. And so um, Zechariah has this vision of this guy. So here he is being taken literally into like the heavenly courts, so to speak. It says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. And on it goes... And we see this scene where Joshua is there, guilty. Ever felt guilty when you turn up before God? It's true. He was guilty. He was filthy in God's sight. And there's the evil one going, check out that. You know, I rest my case. Look at this guy. Toss him out. Get someone new. And, but God's heart is to honour. So now I'm not, my call on this guy's life is irrevocable. I, can't, I don't change my mind on this thing. I've planted in him a, a destiny and, and he's going to fulfil this and I'm more committed to it than he is. And so he, he says, take off these robes and so on. It goes on a few verses later. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty says if, to Joshua. If you walk in obedience to me and keep my requirements, in other words, live an, an honourable honorably way towards me, then you'll govern my house and have charge of my courts and I'll give you a place among those standing here. But more to the point, see the stone I have set in front of Joshua. He's telling everyone now, hey, you guys, all of you, look at this stone that's here. This stone, it represents something. And you see it in Revelation 2.17 as well. It's the same idea of a stone and it's got an inscription on it, which means this is what I'm calling you to become. There's a name on this thing and there's a destiny on this guy. And when he finishes his story, this stone's going to make sense to him. But you need to understand, I'm not changing my mind on his calling in his life. I'm not going to dishonour what I've done. And you start to see, man, this is, as a culture, this is so fundamentally different from what our nature wants to do. Because our nature will swing from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, not the tree of life. When we look at people, we, we, we judge. We say, oh, I'm just discerning, brother. I'm praying for you. You know, with a group of 10 other people for three hours as we talk about all the stuff that's wrong with your life. You know, it's, it's dishonour is what it is. It's highlighting someone's imperfection when they're not in the room. And there is no time for that. If, there's, if people have done something wrong, then you talk to the, there's a biblical process for that sort of stuff. There's a process in church for that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's normally not the, the way we take it. We like to have a bit of a gripe first. But all we're doing is the devil works for him. Second point, the flow of honour is essentially vertical. It's not horizontal, it's vertical. The, the reward of honour comes from heaven. Have a look at Matthew 10, 42, where he says, If anyone gives a cup of cold water to these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. So he's saying, if you bless a child in accordance with who that child is, the child doesn't get up and preach you a sermon 
and you get blessed by it. That's not what he's talking about. But there's a blessing that's released from on high because you've opened up that channel of blessing. And there's a blessing comes into the child's life as you do that as well. Let me give you an example. Forgive me if you've heard this one before. Some people who know me will have heard this one. My son uh, Mark, when he was about 14, 15, was, going, was just entering into a comprehensive and really well-executed rebellion stage. And, uh, <laughs> he, you know, he's a haggerty. He, whatever you do, you're going to do it full steam. So he was in, in it. And um, what I hadn't realised was, you know, uh, parents, when your kids do something, you know what's right and wrong. And you're not judging them. You're just loving them, right? You want to love them and you, all your time is spent building a bridge. But you know that's wrong. You just know. You don't talk about it. You just go, that's wrong. And um, one day I was, I was driving in the car with Trish on the way to a, uh, a, a teaching conference and uh, really clearly the Lord spoke one of those audible times. Um, your judgment on your son is prohibiting me from working in his life. I thought, I don't agree with that. <laughs> a, I'm, a, I'm not judging because I haven't said anything. I haven't criticised him. I haven't, you know, then I'm thinking... But I know what he's done is wrong. Is that what you're talking about, my judgment, Lord? Silence. And I went, really? Really, Lord? Are we, at, are we at that granular a level where my focusing on what I'm calling discernment is actually hindering what you're doing in this young man's life? I'm forming a blockage there. Silence. So I thought, okay, well, I'll just extrapolated a bit there. So I just started praying for him. I said, Lord, I, just, I pray a blessing on him. Lord, will you forgive me for my judgment? Because we're not built to steward discernment too well. The line between discernment and judgment is way, uh, way quicker to fall over than any of us know. I said, Lord, forgive me. I know you're forgiving him. Forgive me for my judgment. Will you bless him instead? Where I've held judgment, will you bless? Will you release your blessing upon his life? And I, that took me about 10 or 15 minutes. It, it was something that had to happen in my heart. But I felt comfortable by the time I got there that 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 had happened. And lo and behold, as I get there, um, there's a a message from my son when we get there. He said, you won't believe what happened. About 20 minutes ago, I just had this incredible conviction that came out of nowhere to put on my earphones and play worship music and get on my drums and worship God. I don't know exactly where that's come from. Like it was to the minute. To the minute. The power and life and death is in this. We have no idea the responsibility we steward. Let's look at how this works out. How do we honour one another? I wanted to skip over it, and I'm not going to do it justice, but um, spouses need to honour each other. And so, you know, husbands, for example, it says, uh, 1 Peter 3, 7, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as a weaker partner. Don't run away from that term. We can flesh that out properly one day, but as heirs with you, of the gracious gift of life. Now, let me say, when, it, when that scripture says your wife as the weaker partner, girls, don't come at me um, too easily. We, we deserve to be come at sometimes. But he's not talking there about IQ. He's not talking there about aptitude. He's not talking about level of character. He's not talking about leadership. He's not talking about networking. He's not talking about value. But I know if I have, a, if, if I have a, an arm wrestle with a woman of similar age and fitness, I'm probably going to win. He's talking about a physical aspect there. There's nothing wrong with that. But in every other aspect, women are incredible. Some, I'd like to say, why should we pull women off the pedestal that they belong on? Why should we bring them down to man's level? But like he, we're just saying that equal, equal value here. Because he says here, you'll 
Treat them as heirs. You're an heir. They're an heir. You're co-heirs. We're co-heirs here. There is no inequality here in that sense. There's differences in definition and, and obviously things like physical strength, although I know there's a number of women here could kill me in an arm wrestle now. Um, it's fine. But generally speaking, you know, let's get the general theme of what's going on there. The, but let's not either major on what's a minor here. The, the major of what he's talking about here is treat your wife with respect as an heir. So that's honour your wife. Honour your wife. And, and, Half of me, over the last 15 years of ministry, I can't tell you how weary I'm getting of hearing stories of women being dishonoured. It's, it's soul-destroying for them. For me, it's soul-destroying. What does it mean to honour your wife? And this is a whole series of messages on its own, but it's not controlling. It's not telling them what to do. It's not objectifying them. Which, men, this is, this is what, if we're left to our carnal selves, we treat women as they're doormats because we've won that victory. We've we pursued them and we've got to the marriage ceremony now. It's like, what's my next victory? You know? And so we, we, we devalue women way too easily. We, we do it a hundred thousand ways by ignoring them and so on. But to honour a woman means to lift them up. To lift them, not put them down. Not over-define them, not have expectations on them, not have a list and say, I want you to look like Elle McPherson, but talk like my mates down the pub. Bullet points only, you know, and, and all this sort of stuff. It's like, no, they're fundamentally different to you. Thank God for that. You know, it's like, and viva la difference. And honour honor that difference, but it's going to require a bit of bending and a bit of honouring, and we've got to lift them up, guys. Lift them as valuable. We've got to defend their souls. You know what it means to say, when the scriptures say, be the head of the wife? We think, oh, this means I'm the boss. It's not what it's talking about. It's saying you get to lay your life down for them. That means you get to, when they have a freak out moment, which is their prerogative to do, let them do that. You're the shock absorber. You wear that. Man, get some shoulders about this sort of thing and you buffer the storm. Because that's what we do. And we do it well. And we defend them as a whole person. We don't put expectations of body on them. Don't you dare do that. All this stuff that we do that objectify women is the opposite of honour. I think I've just lost half the room. I'm not sure I've got the other half either. But uh, <laughs> I understand that whatever I say here, I'm not going to say enough and I'm not going to say it well enough either. But if I can convey the, the, the idea of, of value... Because we've got to value the entire person. This is what honour looks like. and It values the honour. Wives, we don't, you don't get out of jail either. Um, 1 Peter 3, 1 or 2, wives in the same way, submit. In other words, for show a heart of respect uh, for your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word of God, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of your, uh, and see the purity and reverence of your lives. This heart of respect, it's, a, it's, a, it's an honouring. Uh, and, and the way he, he really emphasises showing that is to pray. You know, pray for your husbands. You're not going to get through to them. I don't know what wives, whether you've ever done this, and forgive me those who aren't married here, but if you've ever tried to nag a man into, into doing what he's supposed to do, it doesn't work. Um, if you try and judge them, God becomes their defender. It's like, man, what's, what's going on here? I can see what needs to happen here. Best thing you can do for a guy, ladies, pray for them. Ephesians 3, 16 to 19. Lord, will you show them how awesome you are, the size of your love, Show them your truth, show them who you are. 
let them fall in love with your grace because when they do, everything in their life will overflow from from that. The trouble with all this whole idea of honour in the Christian circles, we get really simplistic about this and we expect far too much of each other as human beings because if either side of this deal breaks down, uh, the deal's off in many sense. It's, we, we see the tail end of this process and we, we judge people and say, try harder, do better, get better, all this sort of stuff. But now the problem was years ago. The covenants were broken years ago. The people were dishonoured years ago. And we just need to help people and love people and uh, show grace and don't judge and seek to understand where they're at in this. This this sort of stuff's obviously very dear to many of our hearts, you know, but honour husbands, honour your wives, wives, honour your husbands. uh, And all. ask God what that would mean in your relationship. Let's move on. Friends and peers. Um, Paul says in Romans 12.10, Be devoted to one another. In love to one another, that's an all y'all statement. So be devoted to, to this thing we call community. It means lift people up. Uh, and by lifting them up, it doesn't mean you're put down. It means, no, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to lift you in your life. Turn judgments around quickly. Don't repay insult with insult so that you may inherit the blessing. This is a very different way of doing life. It says, my goal, my priority is to see the good in you. I'm focusing on that. I know there's other stuff there. I'm not denying that, but I'm drawing out that goal. So what we need to do as a mission here is to give someone the gift of belief, to give away belief that when they know they're talking to us, they know that we believe in them because people rise to that. They rise to this thing that we give them. So there's a few ways we can do that. First one is look, to look hard for the gold in, in someone. To, and there's a thing, uh, John Maxwell calls it the 60-second rule. If you don't uh, if you're just meeting someone for the first time, make it your goal that within 60 seconds I'm going to see the goal that God's put in them somewhere and I'm going to mention it to them. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to draw out that gold and establish a relationship built on honour from the word go. Secondly is to really be part of God's process in giving people grace. So there's a role that you play that requires community. It means, like that word encouragement, to give courage to someone to give them what they haven't got, because so many of us don't have courage, but we can convey the grace of God and, we, and that grace within, and courage, becomes encouragement. That's what encouragement is. It's saying, I'm giving you the stuff you need right now to get through. The other, another word for that is to be inspired. To inspire comes from, it's, it's rooted way back in Genesis where God breathed into the dust. Inspire. We talk about expiring, but we can inspire people by blowing into them, to put a flame in them, to, to breathe life into their heart as part of this movement of grace. We look into the core and honour who they are, so we invite people to greatness. We don't expect greatness of them. We invite them to greatness. And lastly, honour who they are becoming. So it's not like we've got to say... See, honour takes you where you're at and invites you to a higher place, but it doesn't say, you need to be at this higher place and you need to get your act together. No, it invites, it encourages, it says, I I can see where you are. I'm not going to expect of you greater steps than you're able to take. I'm going to love you through the whole journey. And on this trajectory, we're going to do this thing together. But I'm I'm lifting you above myself with this. And I'm prepared to pay a price with you until we get there. Very different culture. Very different. So how can you honour people this week? So I've got a really practical way we're going to do it. Can we put this thing up on screen, the Honours Creed? Um, I thought, how do we define this? And this is cheesy as... 
But um, I, I like cheese. I thought, how do, we, how do we get this thing down to a mantra about what it looks like when I'm dealing with someone? I should make this into a little business card size thing or, or, or I don't know, do something with it. But when I'm talking to people, I look for the gold not defined by the old. In other words, my focus is on that. I value the core and I invite you to more. I'll help you to grow, not push you low. I'll give you grace as you walk and walk out, sorry, walk at your pace. I sort of love those terms that it encapsulates. You want to do something really American and actually speak this out together. But if we're going to do it, we've got to do it loud. Okay, loud as. And so we'll, we'll try this. You ready for it? We'll, we'll do it together. So we're, going to be, we're talking to each other here. We're talking to the air. We're going to blow away any satanic influence in this place that wants to criticise. You ready? One, two, three. I look to the goal, not defined by the old. I value the core and invite you to more. I will help you grow, not push you low. I will give you grace and walk at your pace. Let's do that again. <laughs> I look for the gold, not defined by the old. I value the core and invite you to more. I will help you grow, not push you low. I will give you grace and walk at your pace. Amen. How would you like to do that? I've got a way. <laughs> Wait, there's more. On what we've done, as I was praying through this this week, I thought, we need to activate this. We need to find a way to do this. And I could embarrass you all and say, okay, let's all get up and find someone and, and encourage them. We could do that, and you, you'll probably do that anyway now after the service. But what, what, imagine if, imagine if on social media, which is so good at tearing down, we could remember someone for a moment who probably doesn't get the encouragement they need Lots of people get the encouragement they seem to deserve, but there's a lot of people who, who don't get what they need right now. We don't give them grace. The children, the sons and daughters, and the brothers and the sisters that we have that we haven't told in way too long what we think of them. The husbands and the wives that we've, we, we said, I do at the wedding day, and we thought, that, well, that applies until we say it doesn't anymore. Um, the fathers and the mothers, the bosses at work, the workmates, um, the people that we know, and we think well of them, but we haven't told them in way too long, and we haven't been specific enough about that. What if we turned social media around a little bit? And I've thought of this thing called viral honour. Viral honour. So what we've done, we've made, we've made some cards, and um, these have been uploaded to Facebook on our Facebook page through the service. So we'll just flick to the first one. And Instagram. Insta. So these graphics are there with no words other than viral honour. And they're just sitting there on our Facebook page. So you can, if you're on our Facebook page, you can go and check them out. And feel free to right now do that uh, on your phone. I know you're all looking at them. Um, well, I'm reading the Bible, brother. You know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but those graphics are there. And what I'd like you to do is have a think, who haven't I told in way too long what they mean to me? Uh, who haven't I told... Yeah, this, this is what I appreciate about you. This is what I see God doing in you. All that you do... Oh, bring that one back. I like that one. All that you do does not go unnoticed. Okay, next one. Your heart displays God's goodness. Next one. You are the per, a person of integrity. Any more? You bring joy to all those around you. Fantastic. So they're sitting there now. So what do you, what do you need to do is get on there and 
share it to your friend on Facebook and share it to their timeline. Now, I'm getting waved at by my comms director. So just tag them in the, and make a comment, but be specific. This is what I appreciate about you. This is what I see God doing in your life. And I'm hoping it sort of embarrasses them a little bit. They go, oh, this is a bit weird. It's in public. You know, and, uh, but let's do viral honour. Let's build these people up. And let, let the whole world know. Let all their friends know. This is what we see in you. This is what, how we want to lift you up. So you've got permission now. You can do that now in church. And, um, and think of someone. No one's ever given you permission to get on Facebook in church, I can tell. And uh, I'm told Facey is an oldies thing. Uh, I, I can't do much about that. I can't help you there. Um, so <laughs> if you're young, you might just... Instagram's got them as well, so you can do it on there. But, but share that with some people. And, um, but that, we'll pray in a moment. And, but if God gives you something, don't leave this room until you've actually done that. And uh, we're, all we're going to do is put a song on in a moment. We're not going to get the band up anymore. This is our activation. This is our, this is our uh, how do we land this thing. It's a bit different. It's a bit odd uh, to what you would, we would normally do. But this matters. You can worship and have another worship song on your way home in the car. But, but this matters. Okay? And uh, why don't we just turn this thing around and say, well, look, it doesn't cost me a lot to give honour to someone right now, but gee, it's going to matter to their life. Amen? So, um, so please do that. Let's pray first and then uh, we'll just... And we'll, Sit here for a few minutes and do that. Father, I already pray that you just reveal to us someone that we can honour. Lord, it might be our siblings, our parents, boss at work or our kids. But Father, who do we need to just encourage right now? Who needs grace? Who needs encouragement? Just show us that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, that's all I'm going to say today. It's a bit of an odd ending, but um, uh, next week we wrap up. So one word of advice. Um, don't send it to me today. Not because I want to, but because next week we're talking about authority. How do you honour authority? Um, and I'm sort of one of those things in there in some weird way. But uh, so I just, I know it would be weird on Facebook if everyone starts to honour the senior guy. It's just let's not do that this week. But think of think of someone else who really needs that. And um, feel free just to spend five or ten minutes doing that, and then you're just free then to we'll walk out and have coffee together. Bless you guys, and have a great week. Thank you.